0: Radio broadcast direct from straight up studios. Got a fantastic show here for you this evening. This is uh, episode number forty one for those of you keeping track. So uh, it's been a it's been a long fun road here. Uh, I'm gonna give you to our host for tonight, Mr. Rick Atwater, everybody. Hey,
1: everybody. <laughs> I am using my last minutes, so I don't know why. Anyway,
2: <laughs> welcome to Recovery Internet Radio. Uh, straight Stuff on Addictions. Our show, our tag tonight is That Got My Attention, Jail and Recovery. And our guests, Matt, Pete, and Drew. Um, And uh, thanks for joining us tonight where we are every Sunday night at 8 o'clock. We'll be back here again next Sunday night at 8 o'clock with another interesting show. Um, You can call in uh, if you have questions or comments or opinions. even if you have some of those, our call-in number is 323-792-2977. That's the same number that we have every week, and I'll announce it again at halftime.
0: Every single week?
2: Yep. Call-in number, 323-792-2977, or you can tweet at Rick Atwater. And you can find us at our uh, web address, which is recoveryinternetradio.com. That is?
0: recoveryinternetradio.com.
2: and you can you can uh check us out there. we have all the archive shows on the website um, can you get can you go there live like tonight and get get this show? you sure can okay you can go there right now you can go there right now, and the show will be live from there you'll yeah. get the blog talk from there easy okay
0: yeah as far as and as well as with the with the Twitter account, we can check that uh i I monitor that throughout and so we've got questions in the past if, you, so if you're listening,
2: can... just uh, <laughs> want to type
0: a quick little quick little tweet to us we'll they can tweet in. We'll respond.
2: Okay. A couple of, uh, a couple of quick things, uh, some friends of ours that we like to mention. Um, we have dirty laundry designs, uh, they're uh, cards for, for recovery. They do, um, bookmarks and interesting things for recovery. They're really neat. Um, you can contact Colleen at 815-245-1209 or, contact them at dirtylaundrydesigns.com. Colleen was actually on the show a, a month or two back. Another friend of ours, Dr. Tom Franz at Franz Chiropractic. He's uh, the best guy in town. And if you need chiropractic care, call 815-444-9466. And I think with that, we'll just get on with it. What do you think? Ready? Ready to go? All right. So. Um, I guess what I'd like to do is like to have you guys uh, just maybe do, go one at a time here and talk a little bit about what got you, you know, the show tonight is obviously about the relationship between uh, jail, incarceration, and recovery. And you guys, you each of you are coming from a different, sort of a different spot on that. You, you've been around a while, you did that before, you're recently out of jail, and Matt, you're not in jail yet, but about to go in. That's so, right. So let's talk a little bit—a little bit of background. You want to start, sure. Drew? Yeah. Give us a little bit of background on you. On you. Sure.
3: What, what going um, on? Well, my name is Drew. I'm 26. Um, you know, I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. I'm an alcoholic and an addict. Um, you know, I grew up in a middle-class, uh, normal family. You know, I got uh, three brothers. You know, as Pretty much normal, you know. It wasn't anything traumatic or anything like that. You know, started, you know, progressively, you know, drinking throughout, you know, like... Uh, when
2: did you start? High school? Yeah, you yeah. know,
3: the weekend party. How old are you now? Like that? I'm 26 right now. Okay. And um, pretty much with the drinking, it was just weekends and, and you know, the partying and stuff. That's where it started with and just progressed into... You know, drinking after work and stuff like that. And then the, the drugs came in with that, with the the drinking and stuff like that. So. Um, what drugs? Yeah. Like I, what
1: kind I,
2: of drugs?
3: Uh, Cocaine, Yeah. ecstasy,
2: marijuana. Yeah. Uh, you know. Uh, in uh, that order.
3: Just stuff like that. You know, just, uh, what's
2: that? In that order.
3: Uh, no, it probably started with marijuana and yeah. then cocaine yeah. and then ecstasy. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And, yeah, most most people start you know And uh, you know, first. I
3: I would uh pretty yeah. much pick up quantities of drugs and sell them to my friends and stuff like that. Cause I was always you know I was very compulsive, very you know never thought of my my you know my my decision making to my consequences, what would happen if I you know did stuff. And you know I I would uh. Is that what compulsive is? Like not thinking the consequences. Very compulsive. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I was very compulsive. Yeah, and um, you know, and just not not thinking about what, what the outcome of the stuff would be. You know, and I always thought it would never happen to me. I always thought, you know, I do prison time. Yeah, right. I'm, you know, I would, it, I, you know, I'm invisible kind of thing. You know, I have, <laughs> I'm just a nice middle class white kid. Exactly. Does, you know, I, it, yeah. it would never happen to me. So I, you know, I. I I was always trying to make a quick buck too. You know, always trying to get ahead of it. and I also liked the, you know, the, I wasn't with was so much power it gave me, but it gave me some control over people and, you know, who I was going to sell to and who, you know, i did business with and, you know, people always calling me and, you know, gave me a sense of popularity, you know. So I I started really getting into, you know, selling drugs and stuff like that right. because of that, you know, so. are you uh, still living at home? yeah i uh just uh recently paroled out of prison mm-hmm. the, um July of two thousand and twelve right. and i uh paroled to my mom's house right. and uh, i had to do some um house arrest there and yeah. uh you know I'm still kind of living there yeah were you living there when you were um selling no. and carrying on no uh i i i, I was uh living with friends in kind of so uh, you know okay were you just, paying rent yeah Yep,
1: yep.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, you know, living with friends, you just got to ask. Yeah. You know, was that couch surfing or was that. No, you I were paying rent. Place. Was yeah. your name
3: on the lease? No, it was not. No? No. I lived uh, with a girl that uh, yeah. her mom in the place. So oh, okay. Yeah. Ran, pretty much ran me out of the room there. Okay. So, but, um, you know, it's just uh, pretty much my foolish behavior got me to foolish and you know not thinking my consequences like I, I said I have three DUIs and you know because of my third DUI I have a felony conviction and I also have a Class X um, drug charge as well for ecstasy so you know right. I did I did time on the Class X um, the Class X drug drug charge and uh, I did about three and a half years on that okay so.
2: and you've been out about a year and about six months
3: uh yeah I did about six seven months yeah okay uh yeah I did about three and a half all the they gave me six years and when did uh
2: just you know, well, maybe I'll, I'll just ask this one last question and then we'll 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 pass along but but when did when did it dawn on you that you were a little bit more than just compulsive and liked money and power that you like had an addictions issue <laughs> um well
3: it it didn't even you know dawn It's like <coughs> like, It's like I didn't care. Okay. at all. You know, yeah. I knew I had uh, <laughs> alcohol problems and yeah. you know, problems with uh, people I hung out with and problems with, you know, stuff like that and the law. I was always in court. Always in court. Right. Every every month I had a court date. So yeah. it's not These not guys, even like...
2: People here seem to understand, <laughs> understand
3: what you're talking it's, about. It's, 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 oh, yeah. it's, I guess, yeah. it's the problem of not caring about the future <laughs> right. or where I was going in life. It was just pretty much a destructive... Uh, pattern that just kept on going. And I just, it was pretty much I was, you know, my, my own worst enemy, as they say. You know, I yeah. just was, I kept, you know, you know, just <laughs> hurt, hurt myself over and over and over. And I, you know, right. I. Just,
2: you had never done anything to, to about helping yourself prior to. No, going
3: the, only, the only thing that I went through was because of two prior DUIs, Court mandated they make you go through counseling, right? And I just, you know, kind of just kept my head down and went through it as right. quickly as possible and got it done. You know, the second right. one I, I didn't even finish it. I ended up. To be awesome. Uh, yeah, And minimized <laughs> everything. <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, I get, the, Dude, hopefully you know. I get the minimum, uh, the minimum amount of hours. You know, so. Right. Uh, you know, that's the only thing I really uh, went through, yeah. you know, and like nice. I said, I kept my head down and tried to just get through it, you know, and lied through my teeth to them, you know, so, sure. but this, this time around going through it, it's just, um, you know, I was a lot more open and, uh, you know, it was a lot more help when I went yeah. through it, when I got out, you know. Yeah, it's amazing how that works, isn't it? Yeah, and, it, it, you know, it was, I got a lot out of it as well, so it was like, you know, it was, it was pretty good. Um, it,
2: All right. Well, that's good. That's a good, you know, that's a good way to sort of wrap that up with you. And then we'll come back and talk a little bit more about your your specific experiences with prison and how that's affected you and stuff. But let's move to Matt. Sure.
4: My, my name is Matt. I'm 23. I'm uh, a recovering alcoholic. I was recently just charged with a felony and I'm uh, sentenced to some prison time.
2: Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So tell us about yourself a little bit. How did you, how, how did you get going on the uh,
4: Well, I had some uh drinking issues like Drew was saying uh, younger in high school it all started there. And uh what what, a lot what of, would you say are, what what are drinking issues? Well, it started like he, it started like everybody else, it started just the experiment. Uh you do it on the weekends. Parties turn into yeah. uh, instead of just on the weekends during the week it takes place of a lot of things that, you know, you should keep at the top of your priority list, but then the priorities just kind of seem to fall to the side, and it kind of takes over your whole schedule. Um, I was very compulsive also, like like Drew was saying. I think that's probably a shared trait. And, uh, you know, I thought about consequences and the results of my actions, but it seemed like none of those consequences would ever catch up with you.
2: Is impulsive, like, is that different from compulsive?
1: I
4: think I said I had. You said compulsive. compulsive. Uh, yeah. But I'm yeah, impulsive I'm, as well.
2: Okay. Yeah. I was just wondering. I, just, I think anything yeah. with pulsive at, the end, with at yeah. the end is something yeah. that would describe Definitely. you. Okay. Absolutely. So we're, all, we're all pretty pulsive here.
4: Yeah. Okay. Um, so I kind of ignored <laughs> a lot of the things, a lot of the red lights that would flash and go off. You know, I just ignored them. I never thought anything would catch up with me. Uh, and then once it did, I thought it was normal. You know, everyone gets a ticket, everyone gets a DUI, everyone gets a drinking ticket when they're not 21, or everyone gets thrown out of a bar because their fake ID was bogus. I mean, hmm. it seemed like
2: the norm. Yeah. yeah. And, and when did you find out that it wasn't?
4: Probably, uh, well, the shit hit the fan. It was probably, it got, got to be as, as bad as it can be, I guess. Yeah. And so you
2: really didn't. You, you didn't, didn't really wake up until no, until you got to the felony. No, the so felony. it hit di- me like a
4: two by four. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
2: All right. And then once. So and how long have you been recovering?
4: Uh, one year, one month, and a few days.
2: Okay. All right. And you have and you have not done any time to, up till now, but you're going to be doing overnight stays. That's about it. Oh, okay. Overnight stays. Right. Warm ups.
4: Yeah, <laughs> I guess you could call it that. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, practice,
2: whatever. Just checking the place out, yeah. Checking like it out, checking out your accommodations, yeah. Okay, yeah. And so, all right. And then when when the you know when it hit the fan and you got hit by the two by four, what was the like? how did you wake up or what was the wake up uh, thing well i figured i've been
4: doing the same thing over and over again and uh it wasn't really working out for me so then once i started attending meetings and talking to uh, this brilliant alcohol counselor uh things kind of started to clear up you know the alcohol left my system and all of a sudden you start i started thinking differently and i guess normal and clear you know things appeared to me in a different light and i saw that i wasn't really living a normal life it wasn't productive it wasn't contributing to society it was just a waste of time
2: yeah and um, alcohol had a lot to do with
4: oh yeah every bit of it
2: the, the trouble and the thinking and the
4: any piece of trouble every any part of trouble I've ever had my hand in was fueled by alcohol
2: doesn't it make you wonder sometimes like why it takes so long to catch on if every single thing that bad that happened to you, it had to do with alcohol. Why is it still a
4: greedy you still love a the way puzzle me.
2: That, that it should be the you know, yeah, I mean I get it, but it's still funny in it. It is. still so, okay. And what's the what's the uh outcome or what's the what does it look like for you now as far as um you you're, you're going you have been sentenced and you're gonna be going shortly?
4: Yes, I have uh Department of Corrections? Something shot ten days, something like that.
2: Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I, and I, I appreciate you being here talking about it because well, I appreciate being here. Thank yeah, you, right? it's, it's a good, it, it's a good thing that you can talk about it, but it's yes, not sir? a pleasant topic. I understand. No, no, I understand. So, Pete, what about you? What's the? Give us your background a little bit. Can you do that?
5: Uh, sure. Um, well, I'm an alcoholic and an addict. I've been in recovery for uh, just short of nine years. Actually, had some experienced being in recovery before and, um, my background is, you know, I'm, I'm middle aged and I haven't been uh, incarcerated in a long time, but, uh, you know, one of the things that, uh, for me is that I hope by being here that, you know, that I can help somebody, I can be yeah. helpful, be yeah. useful, because it's really gotten to the point where, you know, my experience, that's all it's worth, mm-hmm. you know, um, And, you know, we were talking before, and, and, uh, you know, I was in prison in the 80s. It was a lot different, um, and it still affects my psyche today. You know, and we we were talking about, uh, you know, um, for me, uh, 15 years old, I started doing time. Mm. And um, I I was basically, uh, I accepted that life you know I I, uh, how'd you end up there was it drug (coughs) and alcohol related oh yeah absolutely everything everything negative in my life is basically you can trace to you know Hmm. and it's funny because you know I was talking today with some people and uh, actually uh, in a a group setting and uh, you know I've spent a lot of time trying to figure things out you know in my life and uh, it really equates to the fact that at some point in my life things weren't going the way I wanted and I have um And I think a lot of people who have addiction and alcohol problems, you know, got like a 162 IQ, but I never had the emotional Mm. maturity that matched it. And that was trouble. Mm -hmm. And when I found alcohol and drugs, that leveled me out, you know. And
2: uh, How old were you when you found them? Young?
5: Yeah, young. My parents, uh, we were living in a great place, you know, I was living on the West Coast, had a lot of good things going on, and, you know, my life fell apart. And really, I can trace the, the core of my isms to probably just a temper tantrum that went out of control, hmm. you know, pretty much. Mm-hmm. I mean, and then, and then just, you ended up in Jovi from that temper tantrum? Well, no, um, that was, yeah, that was essentially.
2: When you say ism for the sake of the listening audience, what do you mean by that?
5: Uh, you know, impulsive, compulsive things like, you know, these guys were talking about uh, drinking, drugging you know, just not giving a shit okay. basically, yeah. you know, and just, but the thinking associated with the addictions problem is what right. you're, what you're yeah. saying. Yeah. Now. Yeah. And, and then also the conflict of deep down inside intuitively knowing I was a good person, I was worthwhile, you know, I had some good gifts uh, and just not being able to ever reconcile that. So how I started out was I wanted to learn how to drive a car. So I stole, them. <laughs> you know, and uh, I had been bounced around and I, I was living with my dad. And he was, Remarried and, and I was not really wanted, so I ended up uh fifteen years old, basically on my own, and trying to figure it out and uh you know basically on the street mhm so for me getting getting locked up was kind of love, you know, and going in and seeing the people and you know the, the revolving faces and getting same the same people, yeah, mm-hmm. it was family, mhm. So I was real comfortable with that, and I was kind of like a, a big dog in a small pond until, you know, I was hitting 18,
2: and that changed. And then adult uh, adult time?
5: Right. And then that was, uh, but, you know, even though it was a scary experience, I remember being in a juvenile hall one time, and there was a guy, you really couldn't see each other directly through the, you know, but you can angle yourself, and he was just having a fit and throwing stuff and flushing and, you know, flooding his stall and, he was going to, to county jail. He was being transferred. I remember thinking what I'm with, you know and uh you know but it, you know that was a big deal to me.
2: He didn't want to go.
5: no, he didn't want to go you so know? so how how old were you when you finally recovered? Well, the first time uh ironically, I was 17 and I was trying to avoid time, yeah, so I played the game. I went to a a group home that was recovery-based, and uh, the minute I turned 18, the night before, I had my stuff packed, and I was leaving. Ready to go. Right. Um, I don't know if it had much of an effect on me, you know, if it planted a seed or not, but uh, um, when I started recovery, uh, the first time when I was really serious about it was in uh, uh, 89, I was in a a homeless shelter. Hmm. And... uh, uh, you know, I was really resentful of this guy uh, who was bunked next to me, and, and uh, you know, it was like a working man so you Get on your feet and get out. Um, <clears throat> so um, he was really kind of happy, just a happy guy. And, and, and the scuttlebutt about him was he was this guy that uh, had a lot going on, uh, you know, his own business, a couple boats, you know, the, the trophy wife, just a great life, and end up back in prison lost everything mm. and he was there uh, after getting out right but he was all happy and I was miserable and full of self pity And how dare he right exactly so I was <laughs> scheming on how I'm going to I wanted to fight with this guy I really was going to mix it up because that's my motive you know if, if I'm uncomfortable it's, it's you know and uh, so one day I got the courage up and I was like hey you know what the hell is your problem you know and I really wanted to fight him and just because I wanted to feel better you know and he threw me a big book. Hmm. One of those big blue ones
2: it has <laughs> Alcoholics Anonymous on it.
1: Yeah.
5: Yeah. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. Hmm. No, I didn't stay sober. I, I went into recovery, got eighteen months sober then, uh then went out for a little while and then got seven years. Went out and then uh now coming up on nine. But hmm. but I'll never forget that moment. It was hmm. the moment of clarity for me. It was really a big deal.
1: Okay.
2: Um, let me let me ask you this: um, What do you guys think that you know? So you, per, this is really probably the first time you you guys have heard each other's uh, stories. Maybe the first time you've met actually. What do you think is that you have in common as far as the ways that things have happened? Obviously, you have the addiction thing in common. But what what do you think you have in common? What, what's
4: what's similar? Density <laughs>
2: <laughs> from the neck up. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Well I don't know about that. I mean this guy's got a one sixty two IQ and I know and I know you well enough to know if it was stupidity,
4: then you just would have read
2: the book. And... Yeah, but
4: he's got like three inches of skull of that. Brain. Oh okay. Very well bad. there you go.
3: That's the difference.
2: All right. What do you think?
3: Well I guess, you know, just our our thinking, going going through life thinking, you know, this this is the right way to go, you know, pretty much selfish behavior, selfish actions and you know, just trying to please ourselves, you know, and trying to always get the next thing or, you know, go get the next high or get the next, you know, drink or whatever, you know, but it's, it's, now I'm learning a lot more, it's, it's not, it's not so much about me, Mm -hmm. it's about reaching out and helping other people and, Mm -hmm. you know, even with our stories, that's how we can, you know, we connect with each other and we connect with other people who might be still in that spot, you know, that we can help out, you know, but you know, we probably all going through life are just trying to fulfill this selfish need to, you know, you know, the hole in us that we're trying to fill, mm-hmm. whatever it may be, you know, the drugs and alcohol or, you know, you start out, start out small and just progressive. Do
2: you, think there's something, there, do you think there's something specific to guys who have addictions problems and end up going to jail that, that, that's different from another guy that has an addictions problem and
5: doesn't go to jail? Is there a difference? Well, I mean, there's a stigma. Yeah. You know, and that's the one thing I didn't think about when I was their age. Yeah. I didn't care. You know. Yeah. Um, did you, so, did you care when you went in?
3: Um, you know, it was. I I felt. Uh, you know, I was like, I I knew I'd have that that class X on my back. You know, I I cared that you know that looking for jobs, they're gonna see that and pretty much the shame I put on my family because no one in my family's ever gone to prison before. So it kind of right. put, you know, our last name is, you know, kind of shame on that kind of thing. Right, you
2: know? I hear so you. It was like, but prior to that, what, what you didn't think about prior to. No.
5: No, and I, you know, but the one thing I will say, you, you said the similarities, I will right. say the distinction is that yeah. anyone, you know, 23 years old, that, you know, this is truly the wake-up call. This is something that they look at because... You know, there was plenty of opportunity for me to say, you know, I need to change my life. And there was people that reached out to me, you know, but I was so caught up in it. And you talked about it, you know. I have the distinction of being arrested while incarcerated. I was dealing drugs. Mm. I actually got handcuffed and recharged and everything else. And, you know, I progressed to armed robbery, mm. you know. And, um you know, now I, I look at it and it's, it's a sad thing. It's really sad. it's saddening me. And mm-hmm. I used to have this pride about it, you know, mm-hmm. because... You know, know, because the bottom line is, you know, I was a scared little boy, you know, and I acted out selfishly, like you said, and uh, I didn't give a crap. Mm -hmm. I didn't care who I hurt. Mm -hmm. I didn't care whose car it was, Mm -hmm. who the victim was of our I didn't, you know, but then when I was alone and I was thinking about it, 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 it was it was a heavy weight and I didn't want to feel that. I didn't want to feel the shame. so I had this false sense of bravado you know and it it encourages me to hear that the system today is a lot safer for these guys because mm-hmm. when I went in I had to be in a gang I had a joint I had no choice. it was that or my ass right basically. And so okay, and do you do you see things
2: that are besides density that are common between you guys?
4: I, I would call it selfishness, I guess, also. Because I knew better. Mm-hmm. I knew the stuff I was doing wasn't a good idea and that it wasn't going to benefit me and that it was wrong. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't stop. It was fun. Mm-hmm. All my friends were doing it. It didn't feel like it was hurting anybody, but I was hurting myself and eventually I was going to hurt others.
2: And looking back on it, aside from the, the dramatic, you know, incidences that hurt people, were there? do you think that you hurt people in other ways? I mean, do you think that it was... Uh, or do you think it was more about...
4: Yeah, because it was all about me. There was, you know... I mean, I guess I I acted like I cared. I probably... I cared. I knew... I, You know, I feel like I was still a good person. Before, even when I was drinking all the time, it's just the sole purpose or my number one priority was me and what I was going to do.
2: Right. Right. So self-centeredness. Yeah. Self-centeredness, we think. Yeah. I've heard that phrase. I don't know where it is. Do... um. Does, I don't usually do this, but does anybody else have anything that they want to ask before I move on? Anybody Anybody got things on their head? Um, okay. I think we're going to... Oh, Mo, do you want to do... I wanted to ask you to do a quick plug for, uh, for Bo. Where do you want me to do
1: it? Um,
2: right up there.
6: Sorry, you caught me on card. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that made you pay attention, didn't it? I
6: don't know if this is a plug for Bo, but um, Rick and I really had never been involved with the prison system at all, and and I'm guessing, Rick, he felt like I did. Um, we had the TV kind of pictures of what happens in prison, until we met Bo and C. Lozoff, who started the Prison Ashwan Project in 1972, and... Um, Bo's book, "We're All Doing Time." Have you have you all seen that? Did you ever see that in prison? I think Max, I think you might have seen it. You showed me the book. Yeah. Did you ever see this one? Well, Bo and Sita have dedicated their lives to the prison system, and actually, Bo ended up getting an honorary doctorate and can go into um, prisons all around the world, even um, the worst of the worst. And his, the whole concept behind. Human Kindness Foundation, is that we can have a spiritual life, we can make community, and we can have a life no matter where we are. And these books, I think, will probably be where you are, or you can get one. Bo did die um, this past November, um, but the work carries on out of Durham, North, North Carolina, and CETA and their staff, Answer between five to a thousand letters from prisoners all around the world every week. So they're really dedicated people.
2: Yeah, thanks. Human kindness foundation. You can find them on the web. So I think what we'll do is we'll take a break. We'll uh, Jonathan Sarah is going to sing for us. He's going to sing. Well, I'll let you introduce. Sure. You, well, thank you, Rick. And yourself Jonathan. All right, well
0: thank you Rick. Uh my name's Jonathan Sarah. Uh an inspiring uh singer not yet songwriter, maybe <laughs> one day. Um uh acapella tonight. Uh, but this is a song, it's it's a classic. Uh it says it's from a musical from The Great Day, but it's uh without a song uh Vincent Yumas um was the uh was done by the music and lyrics by William Rose and Edward Eluch. Probably uh, mispronounced that last name, but part of aspiring you, part of learning from your mistakes. <laughs>
7: so um, Okay, we look forward to hearing from you.
5: Yeah. Good
7: deal. Without a song, the day would never end. Without a song, the road would never bend. When things go wrong, a man ain't got a friend without a song. That field of corn would never see a plow. That field of corn would be deserted now. A man is born, but he's no good, no how, without a song. I got my troubles and woes, but sure as I know, the Jordan will roll. I'll get along as long as a song is strong in my soul. I'll never know what makes the rain to fall. I'll never know what makes the grass so tall. I'll only know there ain't no love at all without a song. I got my troubles and woes. But sure as I know, the Jordan will roll. I'll get along as long as a song is strong in my soul. I'll never know what makes the rain to fall. I'll never know what makes the grass so tall. I only know there ain't no love at all without a song.
1: Thanks, Jonathan. Thank you. That was really great,
2: and uh, and you're gonna do you're gonna do one more at the end for us, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. We got that. We got that squared away. So. Um, so let's get back to what what we were talking about. I and uh I guess this so this half really is uh, I'd like to talk about um some of the actual experiences of prison and, and how that fits in with today. And let me let me for those for those guys here, the two of you that have been in prison, did you was it what you thought it was gonna be when you went in? Did I don't care who wants to start no
5: no, um, in a couple ways I was scared scared to death, you know honestly and um uh, but ironically um some of the closest uh, i don't know it's kind of somebody told me once it's kind of like being in war in a way, I have some post traumatic stress syndrome from prison, there's a lot of stress. Mm-hmm. You know a lot of trauma what is it just the the the
2: the, the ambient fear of it or yeah, the violence? And,
5: violence and and we were talking like back in the eighties it was very gang there was a lot of problems I mean I was constantly on guard uh and if it wasn't for the fact that I was aligned with some guys um you know uh, it would it would have been a very very seriously dangerous place mm. um and there was a lot of you know violence a lot of violence daily mm. so um in nowadays from what I understand, the guards have control. Where, you know, where I was at the person who brought the meds in and stuff was, you know, extorted to bring a gun in and was doing to end up doing time. It was pretty crazy. Um, but I, I really, once I was, you know, a part of that, you know, daily routine, some of the closest friendships I've ever had, it was literally knowing somebody had your back. You know, and that was you know, sitting on the yard, it, the thing I was always seeking, and that's completely dysfunctional, but that sense of belonging, that was one of the main places That's, that's where you found that it that I found it. Right. Was there. Um, and you know, but I still wouldn't commit, you know, we were talking I, hmm. I, I ended up uh, hmm. I, I ended up getting in trouble for not getting a tattoo. Hmm. So I was near the end of my time and one of the things that happens, at least back in my days, didn't want you to be a lifer those buddies want you to be they'll, they'll you know it's they want there's misery in Joyce Company I suppose but that's the modus operandi of the guys that you know are doing the life they want more lifers
2: and this wasn't something that I mean this isn't something you could possibly anticipate
5: no so you know my loyalty was tested and I was supposed to get a prison tattoo and I didn't so I, I was given what they call a violation um, which was 50 shots to my head so in a, in a uh, part of the yard by the handball court, where nobody could see, the guys would line up, and they were all they, they were dialing in for my head, so I could protect my face, and that was it. And that was in order to stay as a part of the game. Um, but there was a part of me, deep down inside, that knew I didn't want that brand. And uh, so, that was the, the fact that I, I stood up to that, knowing I could get killed, uh, was pretty pretty shocking to me. But,
1: Okay. So
2: but not this in terms of expectations, like you didn't know what you were getting into. Of course you were you were in the juvie system, then you were in a then you were in another system later in the adult system later. Was there a big difference between the two?
5: I didn't know. I ended up uh enjoying it mm-hmm. a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, that camaraderie, that sense mm-hmm. of belonging. Uh there, there's an institutionalization that occurred with me. Yeah. Um and uh that still did you ever? Yeah. Did you ever shake that? Um, and then, you know, this is important for young guys that are, you know, in trouble, you know, going to jail. And it, it, you know, I had a conversation about a couple months ago about my record. Um, and uh, you know, by the grace of God, <clears throat> it was uh, a casual conversation, but it used to spin me into shame. So hmm. there are times when I think that um, the irony is, is that if if I don't make proper choices in my life spiritually, uh I'm I'm doing time. You know, I just it's not a cell with a hot pot, you know, it's but it's it's it might be where I live. Mm. But I can mentally go there.
2: Right. And on the other the other side of that, and that's what the, the what Mo was talking about, Bolozov is his whole thing is freedom is between your ears. Right. right. So is so is prison. So yeah. Well I'm so you've you've found freedom.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The good kind. Right.
2: Yeah. So what do you, what do you was was jail or prison what you thought it was gonna be?
3: Um you know when I was in county I uh I got I got in with a bunch of a bunch of guys that were kind of they'd been through it, they've been down a couple times, so they were kinda of telling me what I need to do know what do I need to get how I should you know handle myself and they kind of settled my nerves but I was I, you know I was nervous about it I wasn't scared about it because like you know he said prison isn't anything like it was in the 80s or the 90s at yeah. all so mm-hmm. you know they kind of settled my nerves when I was going through and stuff before I went in there but you know it, uh you know it was you can't be prepared for it can no you, you really can you know it was uh uh, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was gonna be. Mm-hmm. You know, but it you know, it had its ups ups and downs, you know. Out of the three and a half years I think I did about uh about six months in segregation because of my own actions in there but you Say know, what that is. Segregation is pretty much you're in a cell with you or another guy, whichever one. Um you could be in a single cell or a double cell and you're pretty much in the cell twenty four seven throughout the week and you at the end of the week kind of Saturday or Sunday, you get your shower and you get about an hour out on a, on a, a brick uh, patio type fence in to walk around, and then you go back to your cell for the rest of the week. Hmm. So you you know you you're on lockdown. You you get all your foods to your your, your cell. You get you know.
2: And that was because of behavior in prison. Yeah. That...
3: And and uh, it was pretty much me. I didn't like my my circumstances of where I was at. So it's what they call walking yourself. It's pretty much refusing to go into population because you don't like where you're, where you're at. And I was in a in a prison where I was, I didn't, I didn't. Uh, I was in a minimum prison and I didn't. I like how they ran it there and it was the. It's a bit, it's a long story, but it's just I just did not mm. want to be there. And I went to a max after that. Mm. You know, and to be honest with you, I liked how the max was a lot better because in minimums you. You do your time around, you know, whatever it is. You're in dorms. You know, if you're 25 man dorms or 100 man dorms, mm-hmm. you know, you're doing time around, you know, that many people. When you're in a max, you only got to, you only got to do time with yourself. Yeah. You know, so it's a lot. It, you don't have to be around so many people, and that's why I like. I think what,
2: what time, right? I think what I heard you say the, the when I talked to you the first time is it's the difference is you're around. 25 guys that could steal your shit instead of uh, exactly. just one guy. And you yeah.
3: know, also, like when you're sleeping and stuff, you have you, have, uh, you know you do know, you know you might you might have pissed someone off earlier on rack, and then you're sleeping, they they can easily attack you or do whatever they want you while you're sleeping. So you're kind of you're kind of open, you know, about you know if mm-hmm. you're taking a nap or you're sleeping and stuff like that too, or you're just yeah. hanging out not not on guard or anything like that either. So it's
2: so you didn't like it there, so you. Did what's called uh, walking
3: yourself.
2: Walking yourself.
3: to stay in population.
2: Okay. Which you know they give you a
3: transfer. You yeah. Sit, you sit in for a while. So. Yeah. Okay. So that's. But, yeah. Yeah. But it was you know <laughs> it wasn't what I expected really what I was gonna go through but you know it, you pretty much gotta you know go through it I guess I I did the I did the crime so. Yeah. I was gonna do the time you
2: know. Right. So what do you think about this, Max?
4: Uh, I'm anxious. Yeah. I was pretty fearful at first. Um, you know, I talked to guys like Drew and a couple other people, and they kind of put my my nerves at ease. I know it's gonna be rough. It's called prison for a reason. Right. But I have hope, and I know that uh, somebody told me to view it as as uh, not an end to your journey or an end to your path, but you know, just another stop. Mm. And that's how I'm viewing it. I'm just gonna do what I have to do to get through it and come out on the other side. Yeah. What do you guys think about that? Yeah.
3: Um, you know, going in Matt, you you just need to go in there with a positive outlook and look at it as you're gonna do something positive with that time. Either as to go to school, you know, get into the drug program, do something positive with that time, you know, work out, get in shape, you know. Look at it as, as an opportunity to also to sit back and reflect on what you wanna do with your future, you know, either which which way you wanna go You know, they do have a lot of schooling in there, if you, if you need a, I don't know if you need a GB or not, or, um, what have you, they have a lot of, like, um, um, they have warehouse schooling and, uh, carpentry, and they have all sorts of different schooling to get in there, too, which is...
2: Did you do some, did you do some
3: stuff when you were there? Yeah, I did, the um, construction class. Yeah. And, uh, what what else? And I did math. I did, uh, Mm -hmm. it's like a vocational math class. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. But... I was in when I was in Menard. They didn't have anything but GED, and I had my high school diploma. So just, you know, I was in there for about a year of my time. Yeah. And then uh, when I went to when I went to Graham, was pretty much working. Yeah. Something like that. So. Okay. But you you can get good time while you're in there, so it you cuts your you cut your sentence down, and you know it's not like you gotta look at this as you know uh, it's it's horrible. You know, it's a dark place. But you gotta make something positive out of The circumstances that you're in, you know.
4: Right. Yeah.
3: That's interesting. Can I just clarify what what good time would be and how that would affect your son? Would that be like education Um, classes you're taking? Yeah, exactly. Or the drug program they do. I think (coughs) you you sign a contract with them where every 90 days that you're you're in it, I think I believe you get 30 off. So it's you know it's definitely as your time progresses, it, it adds up pretty quickly, you know, and you could you would easily you know, cut your time in a quarter, you know, and also once you come in, you're only doing fifty percent of your time, so that's already cut. And then they also have um, good time that they have in there already. That, you know, you get three months for you know being good without catching tickets and stuff like that, without getting in fights, without, you know, getting caught with drugs or whatever, you know. But uh um the good time runs but only. <laughs> Get, that Getting it, caught
2: with drugs. You can use drugs, but you just can't get just Yeah, to just
3: to get caught. <laughs> right. Uh, but the, only kidding. Only,
1: only kidding. Like, where, right
3: when you got in, get in there, you have to sign up for it because there's a waiting list. You know, So if you want to try and get on there as soon as possible because you know a lot of guys yeah. are looking for that good time, too. You know? Did
2: you get any of that information? Were you given any of that information, or is that all stuff no. you have to collect on your no, own? No, i got
4: to collect on
2: my own. Yeah, well, that's good information. It is. Do you have anything to, to, to add to that? Did you do any schools or anything
5: like that when you were in? Well, I never heard of walking yourself, but <laughs> because with me, if I was in a situation like if I got put into a unit that I didn't like, I would just go after somebody.
1: Mm-hmm.
5: you know, and it wasn't about good time, it was about survival. So if a rival uh, if a rival group controlled that area, then I would attack somebody. That's Usually the way on you the phone. would. I'd go to the guy on the phone, the big guy, hit him with the phone.
2: And that's the way you would get out of where you <laughs> that's were. That's the
5: way I would be rehoused.
2: Is that the difference between the way it was in the '80s and the way it is now? I, I guess, because oh, I wow. never heard that. Before. Yeah.
5: But I mean, it's the same scenario. If I didn't like the situation, but back then you had it, you had a, you know, they there wasn't a lot of televisions because we would throw them around and they bolt them down. And we'd still there was a lot of there was a lot of fights. It was chaos back then. Mm-hmm. It was really uh, kind of crazy.
2: Did you do any schools or anything like that?
5: I did. Um, actually, I was in a place where I, I did uh, a mechanics type thing because I didn't have any. Uh, and, and the uh, the guy who was teaching was, it was was a guy who took an interest in me, and I he, that's hmm. how I know my IQ. I mean, mm-hmm. I knew it when I was a kid, but I mm-hmm. figured it was not the same. Right. Um. But after all the abuse, and so you know, he 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 was one of the guys that kind of encouraged me. You know, he really. You know, should probably do something different with your life. and hmm. Wonder where he is today. I don't know, but it was a good thing. You know, it was it, it really kind <clears> of <throat> even though I and there's there was a lot of politics hmm. when I went in. So uh, it, to to uh, Matt, I would say, you know, try to stay out of the politics and, and do mm. what like Andrew says. You know, get involved in programs, take advantage of what's there, uh, and and seek out people that are like minded. They just want to do their time to get out. Yeah. Um, and, and, I really would like to have been like that, but I just didn't have a choice. Yeah. It wasn't like that then. No, so, no. And I, I, I went to work with Lisa. I, have, I, I made it one day. So they, they put me, uh, then I went back and I knew I was going back to, uh, a maximum security. Mm-hmm.
7: Did but. you, did you
3: do any extra time because of your actions inside for them?
5: No, it, cause they were trying to get people out too. It was overcrowded. Oh. And then I don't know, you know, it's, uh. Um uh, well, aside from what where I got arrested in county jail for dealing drugs, I mean I got extra time there, but uh I didn't get the good time so that that's the thing I didn't yeah. get as much good time, so it wasn't about extra time you lose your oh, all okay. your ability to uh
2: you lose what you could have got right so let me ask you this you know, this is for this is for all of you to to talk about but um so what's the w- what did you learn, or what's what's the underlying stuff that you came away with? I don't just mean the intellectual stuff or the survival-related stuff or going to school, but I mean what did you learn about you? What did you learn about recovery? How did it how, how did it work for you? I mean, did it did did your your time help you to stay sober? Did it cause you to stay sober? How do, how do those things play? I, I don't care.
3: I would say my um, because of being in prison for for three and a half years, it it just the time kind of got to me. You know, I it, I, I didn't do you know, any any you know ten years or anything, but like just the day in and day out, and I just you know one day I just thought I can't thought I I can't do this any I can't do you know I can't come back here. I got to do something different. I can't I can't keep on doing the same thing. And you know it was a real time to you know step back and clear my mind of you know, all the drugs and alcohol and the the influences around me mm-hmm. and really evaluate where I was in life and where I was going and what what I did to get me where I was, you know. And so it wasn't so much of me going through recovery in there. It was just pretty much me reevaluating my life. You know, I, I, I'm i in recovery right now when I got out. Right. You know, I, it was I more like you
2: getting ready to
3: recover. Yeah. Yeah just evaluating my life. Yeah. And, you know, and I knew, yeah. I knew what got me there, which is the drugs yeah. and alcohol. Right. And I know I cannot use alcohol or drugs and I definitely cannot use alcohol like a normal person. Right. And you know, I can't even have one. So
2: You knew that. You knew that. Oh, yeah. You just really hadn't done anything specific about it until. Yeah. And, like, yeah. you know,
3: there, there's people in there that are also, you know, that want to come clean and want to, you know, right. when they get out. But it's all like, it's all talk in there, right. um, I, I know guys that say that they, they want to keep get clean and stay out there with their kids and their family and stuff, and you know they're back in a couple months later after they get out. So, yeah,
2: I think you're a rare, uh, a relatively rare person who 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 makes up their mind, who gets themselves situated, and then comes out and starts a recovery when they come out. Like you said, like most of the guys are like they're gearing up you know, for that, you know, to make up for lost time, I think is yeah. what you're what well, you're, yeah. you're kinda of, you know, they want like a spring, you know. They,
3: they wanna make up for lost time. <laughs> they wanna, you know, get up you know, meet up with all the old friends and mm-hmm. go to the bars and do this and do that and, you know, just once you start right. drinking stuff that it, it's just you the first thing that goes is your you know, your decision making and, you know, stuff like that. So it's just like you start making the poor decisions over again. So it's it's pretty much sanity because you're just making the same poor decisions over and over and over. So it's, right. I know I can't drink, and I know I obviously I cannot use drugs.
2: And, and you started your recovery then when you came out. you you That's when you got involved in
1: programs yeah. and in yeah. the church. I, and uh-huh.
3: Uh-huh. I, go, um, I go to the Celebrate Recovery Group support group, and I also go to AA mm-hmm. for support. And, uh, you know, it's awesome. I met, met, met a, a great guy who's my sponsor, and we're going through the steps, and it's just you know, I, I never felt like it would be like this. I, I, I see my life getting back together, getting placed back together bit by bit while I'm going forward. And it's just, you know, I I got a, you know, pretty good job. I thought I'd never have a job like I have right now. And, uh, you know, it, it's not even like I, I had to work towards it because it's just, I, you know, I want it, you know, I want to move forward emotionally and, and mentally, you know, and I know if I drink, I'm just going to be stuck in the same place. Yeah. You know, and I, I want to yeah. move forward as a person, you know. And, uh,
2: I, and it's kind of, and in a way, Matt, it's different for you because, like, you're in recovery. Correct.
4: Going into... I'm hoping this will tighten everything up.
2: Correct? Yeah. You know? I'll
4: have plenty of time... In certain ways, I'm sure it will. Here, right? Yeah. You know, when you're the freedom, <laughs> <to> the accessibility <laughs> to everything, you know, you go through a little bit of temptation or... Or you, uh, you know, your spiritual contact is always in tip top shape because you can go play video games or go hang out with your friends. But when you have that solid alone time, I'm hoping everything will come together and I can really work that out. Maybe my uh, my sobriety and spiritual kind will come out all buff too.
2: Yeah, maybe it will. Yeah. along with the along with the rest Hopefully of you.
4: Well, yeah, Yeah. but I mean, you're.
2: I, I have known some guys that are that have you know gotten gotten into the recovery and then done, you know, then done time for stuff that happened prior to mm-hmm. the recovery. So it's not altogether uncommon, but, yeah, it's... it's.
4: Uh, I'm hoping that'll help me work through the time as well. I hope that'll, you know, my, uh, my mental stability, my contact with my higher power, I hope that will keep me calm in yeah. that long, drawn-out time because I have a little bit of a...
2: Yeah, you got a lot of you got a lot of energy.
4: Yeah, yeah, I'm amped. <laughs> so hopefully that'll help with you know keeping me cool and hooking up with people. You can there. use some of
2: the tools that you learned. Yeah, yeah, to, yeah. Yeah. What What about you, Pete? What would you say were were some of the things that you learned?
5: Um, Not much. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's a cautionary tale. I didn't get yeah. recovery till later. Yeah. Uh, I learned I don't want to do that anymore. Yeah. You know, it's but but you know, yeah. it, and I, my that's ass the off. stick your
2: finger in the blender philosophy. Yeah. Yeah,
5: um, it, it, it you know, I, I gotta say it, like Andrew coming out—that's rare. I mean, everybody in prison, will just, if you're talking to the right person, it's gonna you know you're gonna benefit from it. Whether it's a counselor or whatever, you're gonna tell them all the bullshit in the mm-hmm. world you're really good at. I was really good at it. Mm-hmm. You know, from, tell, them, tell them, whatever, whatever. You know, and, right. and, But you know, even with sincerity, too, um, it's rare in my experience. You know, that um, people. Don't fall back into the old, you know. So I, you know, my hope is more of a tale of cautionary for people because there's still today the things where, you know, I'll be slighted or feel, you know, I have to, I have to check myself and I have to. Mm. There's a part of me that, you know, there's a reaction that I have to, you know, or I'm paranoid. Mm. I mean, I saw a guy uh, in a meeting one time, and I think I shared that with you. Yeah. And there was a, 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 a bunch of circumstances that happened in my life where I was haunted. Things were popping up, and you know uh, it brought back, you know. So I, I it was weird. I, I never saw this guy again before, but a guy that went in back in the eighties and he just got out. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, that shook me.
2: Right, but you. But the thing I think that that you know, I mean, there's an advantage here because I know a little bit about that. But the thing I would say to you is that what the learning part is that you know what that was then when it happened and then you right. got you got through that
5: <clears throat> right you got through that paranoid stuff right
2: and all of that nonsense leftovers ptsd whatever it right. was
5: the only benefit i have from for my experience is to maybe you know i did at one point in my life talk to guys that were at risk you know do things like that mm-hmm. that's really all i can offer because at the time i didn't get recovery I, I, recovery wasn't in the mix Right. Um, it came later. Yeah. So it's it's just part of my experience that hopefully you know I can be uh, I can use it for a positive. You know, yeah. You know, be of service.
2: I've got well, basically I've got time for one more question, and, and then we're going to go back to Jonathan for a, for a song. But um, my my last question is, um, if you know, what would you what would you tell people who? um, you know, who are, who are looking at, you know, who are starting to take a look at their drinking problem or their drug problem have had some criminal issues, you know, maybe messing with the court system a little bit. What, what would you tell them? I mean, what, what would you say to them? What would you say to these, uh, young people who are looking at trouble? You got any words of wisdom for them?
1: Well,
6: one
3: thing is, you know, all, all, all the people you're probably surrounded by your friends and stuff like that, you know, when you do get in trouble, they're not going to be there. You know, it's going to be your family, for one. And, you know, it, it's so much easier to do right, to do the right thing, you know, and and it's just you're pretty much fighting yourself when you're going through the alcoholism or, you know, the drug addiction or whatever. It's pretty much you fight fighting against yourself, and when I think when you come through that, you get to know yourself even better and you know, it's just I don't know, I for me I'm I'm always trying to do the next right thing and always trying to, you know, improve improve who I am, except for, you know, beating myself up and, you know, harming myself, you know, so it's someone it's it's just so much better without that stuff and, you know, it's it's just like an eighty kind of thing using and 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 using drugs and stuff like that, so it's, I, don't know, I yeah, I so think it's a lot, yeah. it's a lot easier on the other side. than
2: so the, the people, yeah, it's easier to do right, and all those people around you're saying all those people around you aren't going to be your support system when when the, when Oh no, when no, it hits the fan,
3: they're gone. Bye bye. Yeah, right. for me personally, I when I went in when 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 it all went down, it, there was no one around me except for my family. Right. Uh the family start finding yeah. out. That
2: That's good. That's good stuff.
3: Uh, if you're in a situation where you have to,
4: and you're looking at yourself, and you're wondering why you're in that spot, <coughs> and why it's happening to you, I'd tell people, you know, you don't have to live that way. You can totally change it, turn it around. You're making the choices uh, to stay where you're at. You Do know? you
2: feel like you have? Do you feel like you've done that?
4: You made a choice to be different. Yep. Yes, absolutely.
0: Do good. you feel
2: like you've turned it around?
4: I'm on the upward. I mean obviously I have to go through a little bit more to 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 pay for my mistakes, but I feel like I'm on I'm on the right road now. Yeah. And it's easier than it seems. It seems hard, like it's gonna be able to you know, to let go of all that, but it isn't worth anything. You know, when you let go and you finally get on that road to to true freedom. Yeah. That's where the real worth starts yeah piling up.
2: Okay. Pete, anything you wanna say? What would you say? Word of wisdom, words of wisdom to people who are playing with the drugs and the alcohol and the and the, and the uh, juvenile justice system or the justice system. What would you tell them?
5: Um, honestly, I'd tell them to, to pray.
1: Hmm.
5: You know, and I know that uh, probably I wouldn't listen to that when I was, it's hard to say because, um, you know, my experience is I wasn't very teachable at that point, and hmm. um, you know it takes what it takes. But uh, I would, you know, if somebody is obviously if they're listening to the show, or if they're contemplating, it's like a friend of ours says, you know, you, you know, you're not here because you know you're not listening because uh, you know on a Sunday night. That's, I mean, if you're if you're contemplating a change, follow your heart. Right. Follow your heart, and you know, reach out. You know, and there's people like. You know Andrew and and, uh, and, and Matt and, and you know there's a lot of resources out there and you're not alone. There's a solution, you know, and you know again the cautionary thing is is that you know um, there's a lot of things that you don't think about, you know, as a result that you know um, that that can really you know affect you mm-hmm. and, and the people you love. So. Right. Yeah, you know, just uh, there is a solution.
2: Okay, well that's that's really good stuff, and uh, yeah, um, thanks for thanks for coming tonight and sharing sharing this. And by the way, you're absolutely right. If if anybody's listening tonight with the Oscars on, <laughs> then we know that they need to hear it. Right. You know, but the truth is, well, I think I've shared this with you before that you know probably somewhere between a thousand and fifteen hundred people listen to this every week. Maybe not just tonight, but over the course of the week, so what you say will mean something to people, and I really appreciate that
5: and even if you're a loved one or a friend of someone who's you know it, whether it be you know juvenile delinquency or or some sort of criminal thing, you know um you know there are resources, and there are people like myself that are willing to you know talk to, to talk to them, so definitely reach yeah. out for that
2: person and there's three people here. Who who are demonstrations of how you can go through all of that kind of stuff and get well and get better and do the next right thing. So again, I thank you. And I was just and I was thinking, you know, you were saying, you know, the answer is pray. And what went through my mind is, you were just the guy that threw the big book at about a thousand people. God,
1: God willing. God
0: willing. Yeah. Okay.
2: Well, thanks again. And uh, Jonathan, what yeah. do you got for us?
0: Um and he, yeah. that's a good segue um into this song uh, this song just talks about um it's reach out and touch um and this is a song, uh words and music by Charles Brown, and um was given to it by my voice teacher, just um, I think the words will just speak to him so to the words will speak, so
7: reach out and touch a soul that is hungry. Reach out and touch a spirit in despair. Reach out and touch a life torn and dirty. A man who is lonely, if you care, reach out and touch. A friend who is weary, reach out and touch. A seeker unaware, reach out and touch. Though touching means losing a part of your own self, if you dare, reach out and touch. That neighbor who hates you, reach out and touch. That stranger who meets you, reach out and touch. The brother who needs you, reach out and let the smile of God touch through.
2: Again, you guys for coming. Really appreciate it. Thank you, uh, studio audience. You guys are great. And uh, those people, yeah. yeah, a little clap with a little hand for yourself. I really yeah,
7: thought that was
2: really a great job. Um, and thanks to all our listeners out there. Um, we'd love to hear where you're from. So go to our website and sign up for our reminders so we know where you come from. We'll email those reminders out for next week's show, um, and uh, yeah, check our website for all our archive shows. And um, live today, and love yourself and your neighbor, and together we'll trudge the happy road to destiny. Go, go, next Sunday night.
5: We're good.